in my little bitty bed in my little bitty cabin. And as I was laying there fixing to fall off to sleep, I couldn't help but reminisce what a difference Jesus has made in my life. As I lay back there in my little bitty cabin, in my little bitty bed, I thought about how true is Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 that says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed, and behold, all things have become brand new. And as I lay back there in my little bitty cabin, in my little bitty bed, thinking about what a difference Christ had made in my life, a secular song come to mind. So right there in that little bitty cabin, in my little bitty bed, I asked Shirley, you call her Siri, to YouTube... A song, secular song, what a difference you have made in my life. Now, when YouTube pulled it up, I don't think it was coincidence. I know it was a secular song, but you're fixing to watch the video that it pulled up when I asked it to. And when this song began to play, I was in my little bitty cabin, in my little bitty bed, because it's a little bitty cabin, even though my wife was on her little bitty couch, on the far end of our little bitty cabin, when that song began to play, she simply didn't even have to raise her voice. It's a little bitty cabin. What are you doing? And I said, I'm just thinking about the difference Jesus has made in our life. I thought it was a secular song, but without doubt in my little bitty cabin on my little bitty bed and me reminiscing from that Tuesday morning when Jesus came into my heart, I don't think it was no coincidence that this video was the one that showed up when I asked Shirley to show me this song. What a difference you've made in my life What a difference you've made in my life You're my sunshine day and night Oh, what a difference you've made in my life What a change you've made in my heart What a change you've made in my heart You replaced all the broken parts Oh, what a change you have made in my heart 
Love to me was just a word in a song that had been way overused. But now I'm joined in the singing, cause you show me love's true meaning. That's why I wanna spread the news. What a difference he's made in my life. What a difference he's made in my life You're my sunshine day and night Oh, what a difference you've made In my What a difference you've made in my life What a difference you've made in my life You're my sunshine day and night Oh, what a difference you've made What a difference you've made in my life What a difference you've made about the difference that he's made in your life and in your heart you think of a secular song and you ask Shirley to pull it up on YouTube and you pull it up and Ronnie Millsap, a man who is blind but it's evident he can see, had changed the words, not about a woman who had made a difference, not about a woman had changed in his heart, but he had changed the lyrics and he had changed that song from going out to a woman and being a lustful song, had changed that into a worship song and directed 
entrusted it to the Lord who is not a difference maker, but is the only difference maker. Helen Keller, she was blind, but she said there's something way worse than being blind. And that's being able to see and still be blind. Folks, it's evident there is a man that was blind that can definitely see. I'm going to tell you what happened in that little bitty cabin on that little bitty bed. Me and Jesus had church. We had worship. And it all started, listen, just me laying there thinking about the difference He had made in my life, my family's life, my extended family's life, and even the church. What a difference He has made in my life. That's how it started. And if you're here today, you ought to join in the singing. And you ought to want to spread the news. Because if you're saved, I'm telling you, you had no choice in the matter. He did and is and will make a difference in your life. See, today I was just sure I would tie the message to our up and coming holiday I'm not talking about Tuesday. I'm talking about Wednesday. I'm not talking about Halloween and the goose and the goblins and the whoever. I'm talking about November 1st is All Saints Day. And I think we ought to recognize that as a holiday as Christians and thank God for the great saints of God that was difference makers. I literally thought I would preach today, just a few days before November 1st holiday, All Saints Day, on Difference Makers. But God instructed me, took me back about five or six weeks ago to that little bitty cabin on that little bitty bed. And He said, before you preach on Difference Makers, plural, you better preach on the Difference Makers, singular. And that's none other than Jesus Christ. Can you just give the Difference Maker a round of applause? And thank Him for being here today. Now, how would I do that? And God then reminded me of the quote that I read this week. Are you ready for it? You're not too lost for God to find. You're not too dirty for God to cleanse. You're not too broken for God to fix. You're not too hurt for God to heal. You're not too far gone for God to reach. You're not too guilty for God to forgive. And you're not too sinful for God to save. Man, when I read that quote, I thought, now it would take somebody that is definitely a difference maker. If you can't be lost, too lost for him to find. If you can't be too dirty for him to cleanse. If you can't be too broken for him to heal, to fix. If you can't be hurt, too hurt for him to heal. If you can't be too far gone for him to reach. And you can't be too guilty for him to forgive. And you can't be too sinful for for him to save. That's gotta be a major, 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 major Difference maker. So using that outline, I want to point out to you and I want to preach a message that I've entitled, The Difference Maker. I don't care who, I don't care what, and I don't care where you are, you need to realize you're not too lost for Jesus to find. If you ever doubt that, let your Bible fall open to Luke chapter 15. 
And Jesus is talking and teaching the religious crowd, and he posed a question to them. Come on, he said, which one of you, having a hundred sheep, wouldn't leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness to go find the one? And then when you go and you find the one, who wouldn't lift him up on your shoulders and come back rejoicing, calling your friends and your neighbors? Now, I love that because Jesus left heaven just like someone needs to leave the ninety-nine. And when he left heaven, he came down and he lifted you and I out of the miry pit. And aren't you glad he puts us on his shoulders and he carries us through this thing called life. But never was we too lost that Jesus couldn't find us. Then Luke goes to the silver coin. And look here. What lady having ten pieces of silver wouldn't lose one, wouldn't flip on the lights and sweep thoroughly the floor until she's found the lost piece of silver. And when she finds it, guess what? She's going to rejoice. She's going to call her neighbors. She's going to call her friends. And they're going to rejoice. And they're going to do that in heaven over one sinner who repents. Aren't you glad in a dark world that the light of the world flipped on the lights, my dear friends? And aren't you glad He sent the Holy Scriptures and the Holy Spirit to sweep through this place and none of us was too lost that the Holy Spirit and the light of the world couldn't shine on. But if you continue to read Luke chapter 15, it's not a sheep. It's not a piece of silver. It's a son that wanted his inheritance early. And when he got his inheritance, he walked away and he wasted away his inheritance on prodigal living. And guess what? When you do that, you're just like him. You're found wanting. He was in the pig pen. He was in a far country. He was in the slime and the slud. I mean, it was awful. But one day he come to his senses and he thought, man, the servants back at my father's house, they've got bread to eat. Man, what am I doing up here? And he made up his mind. He made a journey. And he come back and the father saw him. And my dear friends, they got out the fatted calf. They got out the robe. They got out the ring. They had a party. And the old older boy kind of got a little upset about it but at the end of that chapter he said you've always been with me but listen here your brother he was dead now he's alive listen to this he was lost but now he is found I'm going to tell you that prodigal son thought nobody knew where he was at but I'm going to tell you the whole time the light of the world Jesus Christ he was never too lost that Jesus couldn't see him and bring him back to the father amen listen to me here this morning I don't care how lost you are you're never too lost for Jesus to find and we ought to give him a clap offering because he's the difference maker but then I want you to sit, consider with me it don't matter who let me back up you think that prodigal after that party you think that prodigal didn't leave that party looking up to the heavens you think that prodigal wasn't singing what a difference you've made in my life Huh? I mean, he had a song to sing. He had a change in his heart. And I'm telling you, he went singing about the difference maker. But look here. Secondly, you need to keep in mind the difference maker. You're not too dirty that he can't cleanse. Second Kings chapter 5, his name is Naaman. When you read that front of that chapter, let me tell you about Naaman. Are you ready? 
He was a commander in the army. He was a great and he was an honorable man. He was mighty in valor. But, let me throw that out there to you again. He was a great man. He was an honorable man. He was mighty in valor. I mean, he had it going on, my dear friends. But, see, some of you here today, you may be great, might be a pretty good old boy, pretty good old gal. You might be honorable. You may think you're nine foot tall, cast iron and bulletproof. You may be a mighty man, mighty woman of valor. But let me tell you, you've got a butt too. But he was a leper. And when it says, but he was a leper, that means he was dirty. That is a picture of sin. And we know the story. The little slave girl, hats off to the slave girl, because that's the very guy that took her captive. And when he got lepers, he said to the the Naaman's wife, if he could just get to the prophet in Samaria, I'm telling you, he ain't too dirty to be cleansed. And guess what? He got over there and he got some instruction. I'm not going to go through the whole story. But finally, he went and dipped in the Jordan. And the Bible says he's washed and he was made clean. My dear friends, there was a world that would have quarantined him, said he's too dirty. But he went to the prophet who knew the prophet of all prophets, Jesus Christ. And because of that, that man that was dirty become clean. How about in Luke, there's ten lepers. They're quarantined, they're dirty, they are a picture of you and I. But Jesus talked to them and He told them, be on their way. And while they was on their way to the priest, they was cleansed. And listen, one of them come back. And that one that come back thanked Him. And Jesus said, it's your faith that's made you clean. It's your faith that's made you well. And I don't know what happened with the other nine. But I'm convinced that you're never too dirty, that Jesus can't make you clean. And I'm convinced that that one may be left there singing, what a difference you've made in my life what a change you have brought to my heart come on he wanted people to know that you're never too dirty that Jesus can't make you clean you're never too lost that Jesus can't find you but you're ready for number three don't matter who what or where you are you're never too broken for Jesus to fix You ever thought about Joshua chapter 2 when them spies went into Jericho? You ever thought about that woman named Rahab? I think she'd be considered a broken woman. And I want you to look up here and listen. That same sin that was in her life has broken a lot of people today. It was sexual sin. She's a prostitute. And when those men come in, here's this prostitute. And she had heard about these spies. She had heard about their God. And so she took them up there in that room and she hid them. And man, the guys come looking and she hid them. And after they left to pursue them and she had told them they went that way, she brought them out. Now I want you to imagine with me, this is a broken woman. I mean, sin and prostitution had broke her. 
And I want you to consider that night that she went up those stairs that she had went up so many nights before with a man behind her that she was going to sell her body and she was going to make some money and she was just going to give that man, feel his lust. You with me? But this night, this broken woman's headed up them stairs and those men behind her aren't men that's wanting her body. They are men of God. And look here, after those those uh, people of Jericho left, the, the lawman, look here. She turned and said, I know I've heard about your God. And when you come, would you just please spare me and my father and my mother and my brothers? Would you do that? And guess what? That's exactly what God done. If you're here tonight, maybe sexual sin is taking you a place you couldn't go. Maybe it even caused a pregnancy. And maybe you even took a life through abortion. Ladies, listen to me. I don't care if that's your story. I'm here to tell you I'm preaching on not a difference maker today. I'm preaching on the difference maker today. And I don't care how broke you are. He says, I can fix you. And I'm just convinced that Rahab might have left out there when the walls fell singing. What a difference you've made in my life. Come on. What about John chapter 8? Oh, here come the religious boys. Jesus is teaching in the synagogues. He's down writing on the, in the dirt. And he said, hey, we caught her in the very act. Come on, ladies. Put yourself there. Caught her in the very act. Reckon they give her time to get her clothes, Brother Dusty? Come on, sometimes we read over that stuff and we miss it. And they brought her to Jesus and man they thought they had him you know why we caught her in the very act of adultery and they thought they had him didn't they because listen to what they said the law of Moses says she's to be stoned to death what do you say I love this the Bible says it was like he didn't even hear him. Let me tell you what I've learned in 20 years of ministry. Sometimes you got to just put away the religious people and what they're saying. Because we don't have religion. We've got a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's as if he didn't hear their religious words. Look here. He just simply said, He who has no sin... You throw the first stone. And my Bible says he just went right back. Boy, I've often wondered. I guess we'll see in heaven what he was writing. But the Bible says they begin to leave. Listen to this. The oldest to the youngest. The greatest to the least. Can you imagine those stones hitting the ground? And Jesus looks right up at this woman who is broken by sexual sin. Like so many are in our world today, men and women alike. And look at me. He said, did nobody condemn you? She said, no. Listen to this. You're never too broken for God to fix. Neither do I. 
go and sin no more. And I just have to wonder, Brother Ryan, if she didn't leave there with tears flowing down her face and maybe didn't get a block away, Brother Steve, and she began to sing. What a difference he's made in my life. What a difference he's made in my life. Come on. Because you're never too broken for Jesus to fix. And then past that, listen, I don't care who, what, or where you are, you're not too hurt for Jesus to heal. I read this quote and I'm thinking immediately, where can I go in the Scriptures? And you may not think the same place as me. Aren't you glad the Scripture gives us many places to go to show He is the difference maker? But you know where I went when I read that that fourth line of that quote, you're not too hurt for Jesus to heal? I went to that book called Ruth. I couldn't help but think of her husband, of Naomi's husband. Imelech, his wife Naomi. The Bible says they had two sons, Mahon and Chilion. Makes it sound like they're Spanish, don't it? But they was from Bethlehem, Judea. That's the house of bread. Let me just tell you something. There was a physical famine, but when you're in the house of bread, there's never a spiritual famine. But because, my dear friends, there was a famine, they decided to go to Moab. Do you remember what Moab represents in the Bible? It's the flesh. So when there was a famine, physically, they give in to the flesh and they headed to Moab. And when they got to Moab, listen, Elimelech dies. So his wife is named Naomi. Is everybody sticking with me? Do I have a widow in the house today? Raise your hand. Widows? Hurts, don't it? Well, don't ever think it can't get worse. Because if you go read that book of Ruth, not only does Elimelech die, but then her two sons die. And so we've got people like that in our church that's lost not only spouses, but kiddos. And let me tell you what that leaves. Hurt. Sticking with me? So Naomi's a widow. She's lost two sons. She is hurting. And she decides, I've got to get out of Moab. I'm going back to Bethlehem and Judea. And she decides to leave, but her two daughter-in-laws are going to go with her. And if you understand biblical marriage, when a son dies, that daughter-in-law gets the next son in line. Are you with me? And so they're trying to cling to Miss Naomi as she goes back. And she's hurting, Brother Dave. She's lost a son, two sons, and a husband. And she's got two daughter-in-laws right behind her. And she turns and says, Listen, I don't have any more sons. I don't even have a husband. And she looks at him, she's hurting, she said, and even if I found a husband, and even if I have two more sons, are you ladies going to wait for them? Come on, she just using common sense, and the answer is no. We're all hurt here. You don't need to follow me. And Orpah, she begins to weep, and she walks away. But the title of the book, the title, the name of the book is the book of... Ruth says, I'm not leaving you. And Ruth comes back to her hometown with her. 
Can you imagine being gone that long? Naomi, she's now a widow. She's buried two boys. But she comes back into town. Can you imagine coming back into town? And they're excited to see you. That's what the Bible says. But when they get there and say, Naomi, is that you? She gives them the news of how hurt she is. I buried my husband. I buried my two boys. Don't even call me Naomi anymore. You ever read it? Call me Mara. Bitter. I'm bitter and I'm hurt. That's what life's done to me. And then if you read the rest of the story, Ruth meets Boaz because he's the kinsman redeemer. And because he's close enough kin, he can redeem both Naomi and Ruth. And Boaz is nothing other than a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he had to come wrapped in human flesh. Because to be redeemed, you've got to be next to kin. And that's why he wrapped himself in human flesh to come. And if you go read the end of the book, let me tell you what Boaz, which is a picture of Jesus, does with the hurt in a lady by the name of Naomi and a lady by the name of Ruth. Let me tell you what he does. He heals their hurt. You can never hurt too much for Jesus to heal. And it just makes me wonder, come on, if Naomi and Ruth didn't somewhere after meeting Boaz stroll along those fields where they once gleaned that wheat singing, What a difference He's made in my life. What a difference He's made in my life. Come on! Why could they sing it? Because you're never too lost for Jesus to find. Are you with? You're never too dirty for Jesus to cleanse. You're never too broken for Jesus to fix. And it doesn't matter who, what, or where you are. You're never too hurt for Jesus to heal. But let me just tell you, it don't matter who, what, or where you are, you're not too far gone for Jesus to reach. He's the difference maker. I couldn't help but think when he told his disciples, I gotta go through Samaria. Come on, that's out of the way. I gotta go through Samaria. Why do you gotta go through Samaria? I gotta go through Samaria. Don't matter why I gotta go through Samaria. And when they got to Samaria, the Bible says Jesus was weary and tired. The disciples go into town to get some food. And here comes this woman to draw water. And she comes in midday. You know why she comes in midday? The whole community thought she was too far gone. Nobody can ever reach her. She's ashamed. That's how far gone she is. She comes to the well at midday, not morning and evening when everybody else comes. She's far gone. She's ashamed. Are you with me? But guess who was there at midday? Jesus. And he says, give me a drink. (laughs) What are you, a Jew? Got anything to do with me, a Samaritan? Don't you realize we don't talk? He said, well, if you'd realized who I was, you'd ask me for a drink. You drink of that water, you're going to thirst again. If you drink of the water I give you, you'll never thirst again. It's Again, he's on FM, she's on AM. You can tell. It, well, give me the water. <laughs> Man, I, I have to come when nobody else comes here. Give me the water. You talk about a lady that's far gone. You sticking with me? They had their little conversation. 
about that water, give it to me. He says, well, just go get your husband. How many of you know she knew? He knew she didn't have a husband. He knew exactly why he needed to go by Samaria that day. She said, I don't have a husband. Oh, I believe she was trying to hide that shame. And he just said, you've answered well that you don't have a husband, but you've had five of them. And the one you're shacking up with, he ain't even your husband yet. Let me tell you what they thought in those days. That lady's way too far gone for anybody to reach. They had a little conversation about where you ought to worship, didn't they, Brother Dave? He said, there's a time coming, it's neither here nor there. It's just in spirit and truth when, when the Messiah comes. And she said, I know that when the Messiah comes, but, but nothing. That's when Jesus said, I'm him. Her mouth must have dropped open. And she must have took off running to town. Maybe singing, what a difference he's made in my life. What a difference he's made in my life. And she went into town and she told all the town, He's changed my heart. He's my sunshine day and night. Come with me. I used to think love was just a word and a song that was way overused. Did you hear that? But listen, now I'm joining in the singing. That's what this woman said. Because you've showed me love's true meaning. That's why I want to spread the news. And as she spread the news, many believed. Because he made a difference in that lady's life. She wasn't too far gone that Jesus couldn't reach her. Now watch this. He's the difference maker, so it don't matter who, what, or where you are. You're not too guilty for Jesus to forgive. Now, where in the world, if you read that, would you go in Scripture? Wouldn't you have to go to the thief on the cross? He had had a courtroom appearance shortly there before the cross, right? And let me tell you what the courtroom had found him. Guilty. Guilty of what? We don't know, but it was... Guilty of something, listen to this, that required the death penalty. Because that's why he was on the cross, because he was guilty of breaking the laws of the land. And for it to be the death penalty, it had to be pretty something pretty serious, don't you think? Come on, y'all for quiet today. I mean, this man is guilty to the furthest degree. He's being executed. And as he's, as he hangs there suspended between heaven and earth on that cross, he looks at the man in the middle and he recognizes him to be none other than Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he looks over. He's guilty. He's being executed. And he says to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And to prove that Jesus, you can't be too guilty for him to forgive. He looks at him and says, today, you will be with me in paradise and I just happened to think Miss Brenda a few hours later when they entered heaven I just happened to wonder if that thief come in looking around singing what a difference he's made in my life what a difference he's made come on did he enter heaven singing that because he realized he wasn't too guilty that God couldn't forgive him I want you to look up here and listen to me. There's people on death row in our prisons across this country today. And they're proven guilty and sometimes our flesh wants them to get what they've got coming. But you look at me and you listen to me. 
there ain't a person on death row in a prison in the United States or in the world, are you listening to me, that is too guilty, no matter what they've done, for the difference maker to step in and forgive their sins. I can't fully comprehend it, neither can you, but I'm telling you, there's nobody too guilty that he cannot forgive them. Because he is not a difference maker. He's the difference maker. One more point and I'll be through. He's the difference maker and it really don't matter who or what and where you are. You're not too sinful for Jesus to save. Now who in the world would you think about when you read that? You'd probably think about the guy that said Jesus came to seek and to save. You'd probably think about that one that says, I'm the chief of sinners. I mean, come on. Parents, what if somebody just cold-blooded after beating your child murdered them? And the cause was for them being your child. Come on, parents. Do I have parents? What if somebody beat your child, then killed them? Would you save them? Well, let me tell you about God. He's always set high. He's always looked low. And let me tell you, anybody that called upon Him, believed and received, let me tell you what He done. He gave them the right to be called children of God. And when they became children of God, let me tell you what this guy named Saul that later become Paul would do. He would beat them for the mere purpose of being a child of God. He would kill them only for the reason as that they was a child of God. But I'm going to tell you, if you think you're too sinful, that He won't save you, you are wrong. Because listen, after beating some of God's children on the way to have them thrown in prison, I'm going to tell you, God showed up. He shined a great light around Paul and he become his savior that day and listen Paul said Lord what is it you'd have me to do and it's very evident that Jesus was his savior not only savior but the Lord of his life because Paul continued to try his very best to carry out the will of God the Father in whom he had persecuted even killed his children but he was saved, saved, saved and he knew that he was And I just wonder, Brother Dave, if sometime old Paul didn't just get a camel back. That's what Trace Truett says. Past Paul, can we get a horse back today? I just wonder if one day old Paul didn't get a camel back and be riding across that road to Damascus and just look to the heavens and begin to sing. What a difference you've made in my life. What a difference you've made in my life. You're my sunshine day and night. What a difference you've made in my life. Folks, if you've been saved, You may never have, but you ought to be looking to the heavens often. 
and singing to not a difference maker, the difference maker. And let him know what a difference he's made in your life. Sitting on that front row at Telequal this morning, I began to think about this last point. And I began to think about your never too sinful for Jesus to save. And I got to thinking, Trenton, about us being in Dodge City on a little vacation. And I couldn't help but think of a man that I'd preached a revival there four or five years ago that was considered one of the hardest men in the Dodge City, Kansas area. And I couldn't help but think about getting that text when I left there, that revival, and that man had let some of his family members know, who in turn let me know, that that's probably the only preacher I'd ever listened to. And here it is all these years later, and we find ourselves in Dodge City. Thought we was just going to be there for a bit, but we ended up there a bit more. And that man had took sick, and they found out I was in Dodge City. And they said, we know you're on vacation, but could you take a trip to that house? There was ever a preacher that he said he'd listen to. It was you. I journeyed out there to that house. I journeyed in that front door. A little bit surprised to see me. But death was getting close to his door. And tears filled his eyes. And he said, I'm just not sure Jesus can forgive me. Just not sure Jesus will save me. Because he said, see, you don't know what I've done. He said, you think Jesus can forgive me? He said, when I was in the army and we took the prisoners of war, let me tell you what my job was, preacher. There he was in his weak, feeble body. He said, it was my job to get the prisoners of war to talk. And he said, we had put a dozen, half a dozen in a helicopter. And we'd get up in the air. And he said, how it started is I'd grab about two of them and just throw them out without saying a word. He said, that's what I'd done. And he said, I would tell them, you talk or you're next. And man, some of them wouldn't talk. He said, you think your Jesus can save me? He said, I've killed a lot of people. And I said to him, I didn't understand it. I said, the chief of sinners has been saved. And you may think you're a terrible sinner. But if the chief has been saved, I looked at that man. I said, you're just a little Indian. And if he can save the chief of sinners, he can save you. And I want you to know that old hard-hearted man that used to throw prisoners of war out of a helicopter to get them talked. I listened to him call upon a Savior that you can't be too sinful for him to save. And I watched that old hard-hearted man right there in his living room give his heart and life to the Lord Jesus. He didn't live much longer, but I have to wonder, if he didn't look to heaven from that deathbed or maybe even stroll in heaven the day he died, looking around, singing,
What a difference he's made in my life. What a difference he's made in my life. Come on. If you're here today and he's not made a difference in your life, you'd have to question, do you really know him? Do you really know him? And so listen to me. He's the difference maker. And I don't care how you come today. You think I come too lost. <laughs> Not too lost that Jesus can't find you. Man, I just come today preacher dirty. <laughs> Not too dirty that Jesus can't cleanse you. Man, I just come today too broken. <laughs> Not too broken that God can't fix you. Man, preacher, I just come today hurt. Man, death and despair, it's left me hurt. You didn't come too hurt that Jesus can't heal you. Come on. You come and you feel so far away from God because of things that's happened in your life. Let me tell you something today. You didn't come so far away that He can't reach you. Let me tell you today, you say, I come and I'm too guilty for Jesus to forgive. And I tell you, absolutely not. The thief on the cross proved that. And you may even fall for the lie, I come too sinful today for Jesus to save. And I'm going to tell you what I told that man in his living room in Kansas. The chief of sinners has been saved. So that means you're just simply a little Indian. And he can save you. If you need to be saved today, come to the difference maker. The biggest difference he'll make is he'll change your eternal destination. He'll keep you out of hell. He'll get you into heaven. And he's the only one that can. Let's stand. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed.